Hello, and welcome to another episode of your favorite uh, parasocial webcomics podcast. It's uh, House of Decline, and today we have a guest. I have loved this man's work for so long since I was a freaking teenager. We've had uh, Chris Wilson on the show. Eventually, we'll have Dave on the show, but we have Rob. Den Blaker hey. from Cyanide and Happiness here. How are you, Rob? Hell yeah, it's good to be here. Yeah, I'm so I, I've I've I, it's, I feel like a, I'm a mutual fan. I, I I know you came on the scene a lot later than we did, but I, I I love your comics and I'm just super stoked to be on here. Oh yeah, well thank you. That's actually what I want. It's part of what I want to talk about today is because um I I when Chris was on the show um. Because I'm fascinated by your guys' story. Because you've been around forever. You're still producing work at a very consistent clip, and it, you know it's it's of a very uh, good quality, as high a quality as you've ever produced it. Which is you know why I'm fascinated. Because other comics, you know, they've they've since l- been lost to the sands of time. There's mm. no is PVP online still going? I don't. Oh man, I have not talked to that guy in probably fifteen years. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I think it's still going. Yeah, maybe, but yeah, there's just so much stuff from, as I term it, the first age of web comics. Oh yeah, uh, the first age. This is yeah. very Tolkien-esque. I like that. But it does feel it, but because it is like this, this swirling down into this. It repeats, but it's less magnificent each time, just as mm. it is in Tolkien, because it's like um, <laughs> uh, the monetization just keeps getting fucked up constantly, oh, yeah. and you 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 have to work harder for less than you did w- before. Uh, like in the first stage of web comics, shit wasn't regulated. The only thing you could, uh, the, the only way you could get to something was through a website, through your website, and then you could run ads on that website, and that oh, was yeah. like a decent amount. Like, uh, oh yeah, it was. If you had the views, it was pretty decent money. You know, it was reliable. It was the reason. You know, my first job after college was Sign and Happiness. It was all like, yeah, two thousand five. You could put an ad on a website and be like, all right, that covers rent. <laughs> you know, not so true anymore. But oh. yeah, it was. I, I loved the old internet, man. Like I loved. You make a thing, you put it on the website, and people watch it, <clears throat> some money comes in. It was such a simple transaction. Yeah. <laughs> Nowadays, yeah, yeah the, the venture capitalists have ruined the internet. Now it's all a chase. Uh, it's all a race to please the algorithm, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, because it's like in the old when when no one knows what something is, you can create this sort of organic... Uh, following because it, like people don't know how to manipulate it yet. So you just oh, throw yeah. anything at the wall. And, you know, I think... Uh, the world was poised for cyanide and happiness at that time because it's like it, it feels like very like South Park showed that you can do like this uh, this edgy humor and you know especially in the mid two thousands people were very poised for that. I mean, what were oh, the yeah. what were your bigger biggest influences when you were originally creating the strip? Well, back at the time we started, like we all had backgrounds just reading comics. We all grew up on the far side and Calvin yeah. and Hobbes and like me personally, like I just devoured the newspaper, like funny pages every day before school when I was a kid. I would just like I would read it like top left to bottom right, even the unfunny ones like oh, Kathy yeah. and Sally Ford. Oh, I like, love <laughs> Kathy. I mean, I could do a whole show on reclaiming Kathy. You love Kathy? I, well, you know, she's I I like her because I respect anyone that portrays themselves as less attractive than they are in real life. Because Kathy right. Guys, I don't know if you ever seen a picture of Kathy Guys, but she's great looking. You know, and really? She, no, I, okay. Yeah, she, she portrays herself as this horrifying troll, which I always thought <laughs> much respect, much respect uh, to Kathy. Oh, I had Geis, no but. idea that that was a self insert. I don't know. No, I know nothing about that comic. I guess, but, <laughs> but yeah, but I, yeah, Kathy, I love the. Uh, 
<laughs> and read all the comics like Kathy fucking Dilbert I was a, like 11 year old reading Dilbert and pretending I, I understood the jokes <laughs> yeah I love fucking Dilbert because I too was bad about kid. Scott Adams but Dilbert's pretty yeah, funny yeah <laughs> you know there was some old jokes in there I he got some weird surgery that messed up his brain or something that's what people think really I okay that I mean I believe it <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I, I grew up reading comics. I loved like the, the whole gag a day thing. I think was drilled into my head by the newspapers. So when like when I met the other guys, like I think I fell into it quite naturally. I was like, hey, I just want to make one joke. I don't want to give the characters names. Let's just do a gag and then move on to the next one. And I think like the internet didn't really have that in two thousand five. So we were just yeah. at the right place at the right time. Like we were very much, I think, very lucky to be to be like doing a gag a day before social media. When, you know, when the internet was still full of nerds who had computers and there were no oh, smartphones. Yeah. You know, like, like oh, no yeah. offense to the Gen Z, like, but back then, like, <laughs> the internet was a place for people with with no no friends in real life, and, and it was a, it was a it was a good thing. <laughs> it <was> a, <laughs> yeah, it wasn't mainstream. It wasn't Reddit. You know, yeah, yeah everything exactly. everything was on its own. You know, there wasn't yeah. this. I mean, to me, that is the essential quality of when people call something Reddit. Is it? It is about being nerdy, but for something extremely mainstream. For sure, you know? yeah, absolutely. And, um, that represents to me the second day age of web comics. Oh, here we go. <laughs> what you, tell me about it. What year are you in now? <laughs> well, so I, I feel like the first age of web comics, where you can track the second age of co- web comics, is the rise in popularity of Reddit and how hmm. our web comics became a very big arbiter for taste. Um, about oh, yeah. uh, what was happening, and not only that, it's where because all of these big social media. Uh, it, basically, the advent of social media, Facebook and uh, Reddit and their extreme popularity into the 2012, you know, the monetization shifted. So now you have to be on these websites in order mm. to get pull going. You can't just rely on word of mouth independence or like mm. I know you yeah. guys got popular because people were like making edits of your memes and like sharing them on MySpace or like really oh, yeah, rudimentary yeah. or Newgrounds and stuff like that, you know, much more rudimentary social networks that had much more niche audiences. But now there was this potential like mass audience because of the way these social media sites were represented. And you yeah. also saw the rise and fall of that, right? For sure. Reddit, I have a love-hate relationship with our comics because um, I've met a lot of people through that community. But also, here, here's... I want to spill some tea really quick. They yeah. fucking banned us for no reason. What? They decided no, one day. Why? They decided one you... day that our comics should be for indie up and coming cartoonists, and they're like, every car- comic that's too mainstream, we should stop allowing it to be posted. And we made the list, even though we were also, I thought we were indie. Uh, we, <laughs> we we're not like we weren't millionaires. That's for sure. But like we got a, uh, yeah, we got we got booted off our comics like very abruptly, um, and that definitely hurt us. But if those mods are still listening to this, if they're listening to this podcast, I, I, let them know that I'm I'm shaking my fist right now. <laughs> you, can't, you can't see me. Revenge against the Reddit mods, the Reddit mods. But, you, you know, I mean, they we joke, but they have a lot of power in terms oh, yeah. of because these were they're, big, gigantic communities. And um, there were I I was talking about this stuff with the, the Cold Cuts guys, uh, Beetle Moses and Yolo Swag. And I'm talking about how Reddit. It's sort of there were lots of great stuff that came out of like the the like the our comic stuff like uh, I think the uh, elder cactus I would mention is something that I first saw on Reddit. And yeah, yeah, like, and same here. I've discovered so many people who are I'm now good friends with through the through Reddit through Reddit comics. Yeah, but uh, the thing that it's the it's sort of neg- soft soft boy mental health comics <laughs> a lot of those. <laughs> 
yeah. <laughs> that's a whole trend that I, I i respect i see why it's popular but i can never do it um i think i get i i've done soft boy mental health comics before for sure but you oh, know so I, I like to mix it up you know <laughs> you gotta you know not all the time you know yeah some yeah. people exclusively do soft boy mental health comics and uh, <laughs> really this is your life term. this is your whole life you know <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> the problem you know is once those, if those take off and you become successful, you have to like, you have to still like, you have to cosplay. Like you have to pretend <laughs> you're still struggling so you can make the comics. <laughs> I'm not sad anymore. I got, right. I got like money and agency. Yeah, yeah. I got, it's like, I got it's a like, partner now. <laughs> it's like your emo band takes off and you're a multimillionaire. Like, oh, but it's like, ah, fuck, I still got to write music about how yeah. sad I am. I wonder how like Jeff Jock does it. He like still is writing about like sad emo guys, but he's number one Patreon man. I don't know. I mean, I like Jeff. I have infinite respect for for questionable content. Oh, it's great. I love Jeff. I love Jeff, yeah. and I admire his career and how he's like he's stuck it out for so long. It's incredible. Yeah, and he got nuked off of Twitter for a very funny yes. joke, which is why I also, <laughs> I also respect him. Absolutely. But um, yeah, he's someone that navigated his career well into the third age of web comics, which is oh, what's now. Yeah. Now, now is the third age, which I think I I am from the third age of web. I came up in the third age of, with me and like Beetle Moses and Yolo Sweat. All those guys are like, and, and specifically, you know what? It, and Keith Stack, you know what it caused the third age of web comics was COVID. That's what caused it because everyone started web comics as COVID boredom projects. Hmm. And um, that's where we're at now because with no hope of monetization, because after the second age, you know, you were saying earlier before the show, like, can you talk about like how Facebook demonetized all of oh, your yeah. stuff or yeah. See like, yeah, like for, I would say the second age, you could define it as social media stepping in and first giving us a great promise of an, like an enormous audience and a mainstream audience and then crushing it. I think that was, I think that was the second age for us. Uh, mm -hmm. Cause it was kind of aligns with the years that you're describing, you know, 20, 2009, 2010, Facebook was such a huge, like a huge audience. Um, everybody was signing up. Facebook was still cool. They weren't, you know, overthrowing democracies yet. They were still <laughs> like a place for friends and and like to enjoy content and memes. Uh, it was a very good time. And like, we were um, de definitely on that wave. And I think that's when sign in happiness really blew up. Like MySpace was the start of it but facebook like was like the gasoline on the fire and we were getting we went from like we made a page in like 2008 and by 2010 we had over a million like very real uh followers like people who were reacting to our comics and reading them every day <clears throat> and that was the great promise of facebook that kind of tricked everyone into making pages <clears throat> like the oatmeal was on there <clears throat> xkcd mm -hmm. i think he was smart <laughs> he stayed away <laughs> but everybody's <laughs> Everybody said websites are over. Facebook will take care of us now. And like for a time, like that was true. And then I guess Facebook went public. Um, and, you know, once shareholders are involved, everything gets ruined. <laughs> like oh, no matter yeah. no matter the company. And then, of course, like everyone knows what happened next. Like Facebook uh, started, you know, squashing posts that had links to Kickstarters or merch. Like they would say, like, you want to reach more people? You give us $1,000 a day and we'll let you reach 50% of your audience. <laughs> and like, yeah, and immediately overnight, that, that million... You know, that million uh, fan number that we had it was just a number it didn't mean anything and now mm -hmm. we had already moved everyone off from our website so like yeah there was a great shift that happened that really crushed us and that's not a bad thing like i don't want to pretend that my career ended in 2011 because it clearly didn't yeah. but it was like it was the it was definitely the end of like the, the concept of web comics as a thing you can make money off of like in and of itself like that was very mm -hmm. much the end of that when social media like po popped up and sort of you know, made obsolete the concept of websites. 
so that's so that's yeah, that, that's our second age for sure <laughs> yeah i i mean i have i have a website but it's purely for vanity at this point it <laughs> yeah, does yeah. it does nothing but just be have a nice little repository oh, yeah, of my yeah. work online yeah we have a website and it, there's probably one guy reading it every day and going oh, oh, oh that's a good one you know <laughs> <I'm logging off. laughs> yeah one, one 60 year old cyanide and happiness fat is like <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> he came out he knows how to program in COBOL or something like that exactly He's an old head. but we still have like we have millions of fans out there that we have to serve a different way we have to fight the algorithm and make and like you know making a funny comic isn't enough you gotta you gotta follow the trends and post at the right time of day and, and post yeah. the same comic 11 times <laughs> you know we had oh, to go yeah. all these all these hoops well that's what the third age is very much characterized now is by you can't just do the web comic anymore you have yeah. to be media personality or you have to be you know offer your your real self to people because they won't trust you unless you know mm -hmm. you've been youtubeized or you've been parasocialized Oh, for sure. Yeah. Or you have to just have a side hustle. You had to like, you got to do writing for a show or you have to be, do storyboards for like something or like, yeah. you know, get into a different industry. Like in our case, board games has, you know, been our main revenue driver. Like, and at that point, the comics are just, you know, something we do passionately in yeah. hopes that we can find the, the next gig. And well, I think the that's comics true are good. people. Yeah, I mean, they operate as sort of a loss leader because the, you yeah. can get a lot of eyeballs on them if you get like a viral comic or something and then people yeah, will. Yeah. But you have to do it, you have to get it uh, to so that people will buy the merch. Like For the, sure. the sell yeah. is the merch now. And that's yeah. how like Has Been Hotel works. That's this how this entire new creator economy. All of the entertainment product is loss up front. And the real thing is tchotchkes. Yeah, exactly. not to say that your board game is tchotchkes, but it's <laughs> or or the merch because I want to sell merch, but I have this like I'm always combatter combating my inner Bill Watterson, which is like I don't want to sell anything, you know, I don't want to <laughs> I don't want to sell anything but the comics. But that's not how it works now. You can't For sure, get away yeah. with that. And like all the guys from the first age who are still making yeah. money doing the pure act of making web comics, yeah. like I can fit them all in one hand. So like Jeff Jacks is one of them. There's yeah. a few others who've who've turned Patreon into a like a full-time gig and they're yeah. just sitting there making comics and i love that but everyone else i know from those days like they've either like moved on altogether or they've they've like taken on side gigs well think um, about penny arcade who like got in on this they they called it early because they started packs or whatever and i'm sure that's <laughs> the, probably their main revenue driver now especially since oh absolutely uh, e3 went under for sure they struck a gold mine and that's incredible for them yeah. but that's that's the only way to make it these days yeah, got to have your side hustle. The web comics, I mean, but that's the thing is like the web comics too become part of that parasocial atmosphere because with mm -hmm. the web comic, especially jokes, you, you go, I'm a nice guy. You yeah. can trust me because I'm funny. You know, right, here's a right, little right. joke. And that's, I mean, that's the other aspect. We're uh, talking about the balancing act. And also why I wanted to have you on today is because it's it's been great to have this person who is this profound influence on me and whose work I admire so very much. Like it's, it's you guys and PB and white ninja comics you know those mm. are like my three heroes of, of freaking like the stuff that i read at, at like 16 or whatever that permanently said i, I like this well i, <laughs> I, I want to do this type of stuff you know and um so it's been very nice to hear you comport with my political beliefs as well in that you've been going pretty hard for palestine and i i, yeah. I really i'd like to see that um, what what sort of drove you to start talking about it publicly um, when other people? I mean, now it's a it's a bit easier to talk about, but it still can be seen as a controversial subject for some. For sure, like I've always been political on Twitter, um, and 
uh, of course like lost fans over the years of because of it <laughs> but, yeah but fuck it like why yeah. who cares um i think like i respect people who are just you know they let their art speak for them they, they avoid politics and they they're just there to make people laugh i think people need to laugh and there's enough pundits that you, nobody needs another person on twitter like pointing out the, the war crimes in gaza you know, <laughs> there's enough of that in the news. And people, some people just want to escape and read a funny comic. And like, I get that. And like, people, people who avoid politics, I respect all the reasons for doing mm-hmm. that. But like, I for me, I just I you know I, I can't. Like, I feel like I have. Kim a Buckley's <laughs> silence on Palestine <laughs> exactly. has been yeah. deafening. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't care about Tim Buckley's opinion on Palestine. <laughs> but like, yeah, for me, it's just like I I have a platform, so why not use it not just to post about what's happening, but to amplify voices inside of Gaza. You know, and like. And like, you know, Arab influencers who have smaller audiences than I do, like who have very valid and strong opinions, but don't have the audience I do, like just smash that retweet button. It takes no effort at all. And and Mm -hmm. like I I said, I do lose people about it over it. Like, oh, yeah, I do, too. (laughs) Uh, Well, what's weird is when they accuse me of being anti-Semitic, but then they still like my web comics after I'm like, what are you doing? Why didn't you unfollow? Why are you still (laughs) liking my comics? And it's funny to me because like the comics, like they're not overtly political, but I do inject my politics into the comics because i can't not like the things yeah. like the, the things that i think are funny and the things that i want to point out with my jokes like they do they cross into politics all the time <laughs> it's not oh, yeah. it's impossible to avoid um but then like that's mostly on twitter on facebook when i get political it's a weird thing because like you want to talk about the, the weirdness the weird nature of social media yeah. for a second like these websites are very different. Like I'm posting the same content on two different sites, but attracting a different audience through them mm-hmm. because Facebook is like fundamentally a bit more right wing just by the people who, who spend their time there. So like mm-hmm. I'm finding that my comics, like without even trying, haven't have far more like, you know, Trumpers and like, like right wing dipshits on Facebook than they do on Twitter where I'm much oh, yeah. more political and I've created a filter <laughs> for my own audience. <laughs> So when I get political on Facebook, my numbers drop even more. <laughs> they, like people <laughs> flee by the thousands. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm not. I'm not here to laugh. I have a good time looking at these yeah. fart comics. I want to see some dick and fart. Com- yeah, yeah, yeah. Be funny, boner boy. Yeah, like, exactly. you're always told that shit. But I mean, that's part of the. I mean, that's the other thing too. Why sometimes I am reticent to like post politics because it's a very. Um, like when you see one of your like like crude comics and then the next I, I try and space them out a little be, because it's like I, I've made it. I, here's this comic about a man using his penis as a propeller to saw off a guy's head. And then the next comic is that a hundred dead in in this attack. And it's like it's a it's an inherently incongruous thing to do, which is why I sometimes feel like uh, yeah, you're, I you're, shouldn't do it or it, there's tension there or something like that. And that's absolutely valid. I'm probably from a branding perspective, I'm probably hurting myself, <laughs> you know, <clears throat> when I like go from making dick jokes to pointing out you know atrocities and like world events and stuff but i feel like this particular situation is so unusual because like all the mainstream media sources are either not saying anything or they're applying such like an insane and uh like anti-arab like slant against everything they report that there's just this like it feels like you know 
like, yeah, but it feels like if, if we were all making web comics in Germany or in Europe during World War II and we were all yeah. tiptoeing around like the Holocaust. Yeah, you know? yeah, it's very zone of interest. Yeah, it's very, uh, but I mean, I think that's the other, um, that, that's the thing. I mean, why it's great being sort of a, a web comic artist and being independently driven is you can say stuff like this. You're not working for anyone. You're working for yeah. yourself. So there's no threat of your, your money being fucked with, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, and like, I feel like in that sense, when you're when you're talking about something that the media refuses to, then there you are doing a bit of a public service because, mm-hmm. like for example, during the Super Bowl, there was this major attack on Rafa where yeah. a million Palestinians are, you know, are, are living in camps and, and were being bombed during the Super Bowl. And at that point, when that was all happening. Like, I was very much that night making Super Bowl jokes like everybody else on Twitter because oh, yeah. that's what Twitter's for. Mahomes, he's <laughs> uh, he's like Kenny Powers. Yeah, yeah but yeah. When, when that like assault started, I was like, man, I can't make jokes anymore. Like this is yeah, fucked. this is fucked up. I mean, especially <laughs> fucked up because it's happening during you know this you know Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift, and then you know children are being fucking. You know, it's it's off. I mean, that's the other part of Israel too. Is it's just so unambiguous. It's yeah. just, you know, rarely are there political issues that are this, you know, oh, it's, there's a big guy and they're really murdering a little guy. And it's, right. it's, it's like, it's like World War Two is on levels of that un, unambiguity, you know, it, it's like, yeah, it's yeah. very easy to know what the right thing is in this situation, which is why it's so mind boggling that, you know, yeah, it, it really fucks, it fucks you up when you look at it for more than two seconds, you know, like 30,000 innocent people have been killed. We've dropped, like Israel has dropped, and America by extension, you know, have dropped more bombs in like three months than all of like the Iraq war, you know, like it's, it's outrageous and like, yeah. but, but all the, you know, all of our our governments and our our mainstream media sources are like, oh well, I mean that's Israel defending itself. They should they should work a little bit harder to protect yeah. Gazan lives. But hey, that's just how it goes. That's um, fine. Yeah, it's fine because we it's support them. They're backing them. And you know, as a, I'm I'm Jewish, so I can you know get away with. But it's like utilizing the freaking Holocaust in order to you know say that these people can do whatever they want is a travesty to the memory of the Holocaust. It's like one of the most evil things I can possibly think of is to dishonor the me- the, the memory of the yeah, fucking victims sure. of a fascist genocide by doing another fascist genocide and saying that we can do it because it happened to us. That's mm-hmm. like a fucking total nightmare. I mean, mm-hmm. it's in my comics, I, like since way back, you know, I've been making Palestine jokes. It's the one political issue that I usually insert into my, like, one time a guy is dildoing himself in the living room and like say, hey, what are you doing, Mark? Hey, it's fine, man. No, I'm saying that dildo was made in the settlements. And he pulls out the dildo and has a little Star of David on it, you know. And that's, but I've been doing that shit. So, and it's, it's funny when people like came to me, it's like, you're anti-Zionist? That's a shock. And then I can post all of my awful, I can post IDF Inspector Gadget. Which is an old joke that I did. I remember um, that one. Thank you. <laughs> but that's like... Uh, yeah, that that shit is like, yeah. I I guess it's also because I'm Jewish, so I've I've felt like I have an unusual amount of leverage for this issue. So oh, for I, sure. that's why I've never felt bad commenting on it. Like I I was in the shit, you know that the, they tried to get me to go on birthright, and the guy was like a used car salesman, you know. For sure, and like, and I think that's like that's the, the reason I don't feel bad about you know interrupting my dick jokes for, for the occasional update on on Gaza because like during the Super Bowl, like I pointed it out on my Twitter. I was like, hey, look what's happening in Rafa right now during the Super Bowl. And that got like 25,000 retweets. So among those thousands of people, surely a few of them 
wouldn't have known this was happening if I hadn't said it. Yeah. yeah. So, and I think that's important to, to remember. <laughs> it's, it's very, we're very much operating under a code of silence during this genocide. And like, yeah. and I don't think people should be obligated to speak out because there's plenty of people doing so. And if you're just, if, if, if your goal is to use Twitter to post your comics and entertain people and their goal is to follow you and be entertained, then you can really, you know, you can really damage that relationship if you get too political or you, you know, make people sad when they, yeah. they followed you to laugh. But, but I feel like I, I don't mind that much. I don't mind losing yeah. a couple of people. I mean, that's also the issue of the third age of webcomics as mm-hmm. well, this whole parasocial thing, because you have to be a personality unto yourself. It, yeah, I mean, yeah. that's the other issue is that I hope people don't see me doing this as cynical either. I hope they don't see me as doing it as like, I'm going leftist for clout on Twitter, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I really hope people don't <laughs> see it as that, or uh, because... I, I do feel genuine about it, but that's part and parcel is sometimes you end up alienating people if you don't take a political stance, because that's how it works nowadays, because everyone wants their art and artists to be compliant with their, and you know, I'm, I don't sort of judge it. That's just how it, it could change at any point where people start doing death of the author again. But <laughs> right now we're in the age where it's like, no, author and, and uh, art, they're very much intertwined. So it's yeah. like, at some at some part of you understands that no, in order to function nowadays, I sort of have to be honest about what I think. Yeah, absolutely, and honestly, like for, with, when I look at my uh, audience to, to my comics and, and our like the sign and happiness audience in general, like if they didn't pick up on our politics in the comics, then they're probably kind of stupid anyway. <laughs> <laughs> like, I think well, like, yeah. right, right, people on the right aren't like famously good at like picking up subtext. And like, you've seen, I'm sure, the Starship Troopers d- debate <laughs> on Twitter. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah, that shit was great. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think all of these costumes are so cool. I don't understand why people think this is a bad idea. <laughs> you, know? you think it's bad for Earth to defend itself against bugs? Do you wish do you, do you, do you, wish you were a bug? This <laughs> bug is so <laughs> ugly. How can you feel compassion? Jesus Christ, these people are not getting it. These people uh, are bad of watching movies uh, but, but that's anyway. the inherent risk of because sometimes you create something that is like universal that mm-hmm. like anyone can possibly relate to yeah. and then you'll see like bad bad accounts retweeting it without context you're like uh like i saw a cop the other day wearing the casey green this is fine dog like an mm-hmm. enamel pin of the casey green this is fine dog, and it made me so how do you know about gun show how did yeah. you find this thing became so ubiquitous and yeah, it's yeah. so relatable to anyone that, you know, it's like even people who you probably don't want uh, associated with it might. And that is also the risk of putting your stuff out there. Yeah. I mean, that's happened. Almost everyone I know has in, in web comics has a story about their work being repurposed like by bigots or, or uh, just to, to spread hate. Yeah. Look at Pepe. Look at Matt Fury. Oh, yeah. Pepe yeah. is the great, is the ultimate example. Yeah, if I were that guy, I mean, they made a whole documentary about that guy, about how yeah. weird it is to have your thing being used. I mean, it's Pepe sort of become benign now. Like, it's it's become so ubiquitous that it entered into a different phase of yeah, life. Yeah, it, it kind of means nothing now. <laughs> yeah. They've moved things. on to Groypers and, and the little crying one, which I, yeah, yeah. I don't care for. Um, <laughs> friends. I don't think they do friends anymore. I think, actually, they still do that weird right-wing baby talk thing. I do remember that briefly. Uh, that's a, that's the other bad thing about Reddit. It's absolutely a hotbed for for racists and and white nationalists now. Yeah. Now, wait. I haven't been on Reddit in a while. How has well, it become either. a hotbed for? Well, when I say now, I mean since like 2015. <laughs> now um, being <laughs> currently. 
Well, because Trump got banned, but I guess there was like a million other subreddits in its stead for like weird white nationalist. Yeah, that's where, that's where the, the friends thing came from. They were like, hey, what if we all speak under in code so nobody knows that we're Nazis? <laughs> I think that's where uh, that came from. That is so fucking sinister. Speaking like Nazi babies. That's Nazi like the worst babies. Person. Nazi babies. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, I think there's a there's a robot chicken joke about Lil Hitler, which I always, <laughs> I always remember that one. Um, but uh, now I'm getting Nazi babies. That oh, the Muppet Babies theme song is one of the most annoying theme songs that was it's, ever it's the created. Worst. It lives yeah. in my head uh, at least once a month. It pops out, and I sing it. <laughs> yeah, we were just obsessed with like obnoxious synthesizer reduxes of 50s style music in the 80s, and it uh, yeah, yeah. created some hellish results. For sure. Wouldn't have um, that any other way. But yeah, that balancing act. I mean, it's like, you, you also, I posted face recently, which was nice because people complimented I, me. I saw but, that, yeah. Yeah. They also said that I looked evil, which was fine. <laughs> I'll take it. It's not the worst. It's not the worst thing anyone said. You about can be me, handsome but, and evil. There's a, there's a whole category of, yeah. of celebrities who are evil, handsome, and we love them. Yeah. Like, uh, uh, does Cillian Murphy count? I think a he's little bit. He's not really evil. He's he, more melancholy. He has fierce eyes. I think Willem Dafoe counts. Yeah, yeah, he's evil handsome. <laughs> he's evil handsome. A- anyway, but um, but I I don't do it because it's also weird to have people commenting your, on your appearance as well. Because I don't know, it's uh, I've always been sort of affronted to the like, and I was an actor as a kid, so it was really? like that's why cool. I got out of it because I was <laughs> seeing myself on TV and I was I quit. I can't handle this. You know, <laughs> I, no, I'm with you. I hate being on camera. I hate seeing myself talk and move. It's just so unnatural. It feels like watching an alien. Yeah, I, uh, don't don't like it. Uh, I need to I need to like train myself in the mirror to do like eyebrow <laughs> exercises to look normal in front of people. Because I don't, I've never I've never investigated the neurodivergent angle, but but it's probably not that everyone everyone thinks they're autistic or ADHD now. Oh sure, yeah, we probably are. I think we've all been exposed to enough microplastics. Oh uh, yeah, we, yeah. Microplastics <laughs> and new grounds. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that was it. You know? Yeah. Um, I want because you know that was big stuff. For, you know, as long as let's go back to the first generation of webcom because uh, Newgrounds, I know, besides like um, uh, uh, syndicated newspaper web comics, Newgrounds was probably the biggest influence. What what were your early Newgrounds? Faves? Newgrounds was the most formative probably thing of my entire career. It was probably the thing that got me on the internet. I. Yeah. The first before this is also true of Chris and Dave, um, but before we ever um, thought of the even even the notion of web comics, we were all animators. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got into the internet culture of the early two thousands, like I mean, really early, like literally two thousand. <laughs> and yeah, through Newgrounds, like we would um, we downloaded Flash, taught ourselves how to animate. We all did stick figure animations because that was popular and it was easy. <clears throat> so we kind of. Stickdeath.com was the first one, and I'm sure our older yeah. listeners will hear will remember that. <laughs> like it was just chow, one guy. Chow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, <laughs> chow, it will chow, unleash yes. memories in the head of any millennial. Chow, chow. Yeah, and I like I as a kid, like I remember going into the library at my high school freshman year, and my friend was like, "Look at this shit," and he pulled up stickdeath.com, and yeah. we watched every video, just laughing our asses off, because like there was mm-hmm. nothing like that, like on the internet at that yeah. time. Also, and, around that like uh, 9/11, lots of uh, uh, anti Bin Laden jokes. I made a few like, of them hey, myself. Mr. Taliban, <laughs> Taliban, we were all doing it at the time. 
Yeah, I was an angry 16-year-old after 9-11, and I made yeah. a few animations, maybe a couple of which I'm not proud of. But oh, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, we, uh, well, look, everyone got into bloodthirsty, murderous Islamophobia. We can't, you know, it was the style at the time. Yeah, whomst among us. There was um, this, okay, can I, do you remember, there was this really weepy post-9-11 Newgrounds thing with featuring, like, a big-eyed girl who lost her dad in 9-11, it was called something that. like "I love you, Daddy." It sticks in my head. I I want to find it so because I remember it being really popular and all these like edgy like Newgrounds twelve year olds being like, "Yo, this gave me the feel. This made me feel things." You know, after nine eleven. Right, right. It's, I don't think it's lost media, and I'm sure if I put any effort into it, I could I could find it. But um, uh, yeah, I was trying to think uh, of like what were my favorite early Newgrounds pieces and. Um, do you remember like black and white drama theater? What what was called? Uh, I I can't exactly remember the name. Um, mm, I can't remember it. all that. So many of those are hazy. So I've probably seen it and forgotten it over the years. Forehead <laughs> shave cut. I remember is one that was being uh, very formative. Yeah, yeah. There, God, there's so much good stuff. I like the you know the original stuff like Pico and like all the school yes. shooting jokes that back back in the day that like Newgrounds was founded on. Killing the Teletubbies. Yeah, we. Oh were yeah, killing the Teletubbies. Teletubbies. Killing the yeah. Teletubbies. Absolutely. But yeah, like, yeah, that's how I met Dave and Chris. We were just a bunch of kids making like really offensive, violent stick figure animations and, uh, and probably shouldn't have been, <laughs> but we were probably we were just kids hanging out on the internet and uh, trying to, you know, make content for strangers. Some of which might've been pedophiles. I don't know. <laughs> we were, sure. We were a lot of them on there <laughs> and new grounds, you know, you know, uh, freaking, Hey, you had the strawberry alarm clocks though. You had the, al- the I don't, what was that all about? The, the screen, clock crew. The clocks, yeah. The clock crew. All of this seems so hazy. That was a weird thing. It might have been a cult. Who knows? It was just a bunch of people who used clocks as their pseudonyms. But yeah, I, yeah, I miss those days. Like the early internet, like everybody had a pseudonym. <clears throat> Very few people used the real name. It was all about your username. This is your, your, you know, your whole brand, your aesthetic. And very few people knew each other's names unless you had a side chat yeah, going on on MSN Messenger. Yeah. And it was very cool, very like Wild West internet back then. Oh, yeah. It was interesting to see, like, even in those early days, too, you had people that were sort of anticipating the parasocial aspect of it because you had guys like Legendary Frog doing, like, self-insertion stuff mm. and oh, Ego yeah. Raptor as well, you know, from there there on end. You know, there yeah, was uh, like Aaron Hansen might have pioneered, like, you know, the celebrity animator. <laughs> I think he might be the first one. Oh, yeah. But... Uh, <laughs> Well, you know, he's he's he had those voice acting. He's got yeah. everyone likes the sequelitis. You know, I got I got a lot of good stuff to say about Ego Ray. I got a lot of good stuff to say. Oh, about he's a gem. Like we love, we've worked with him a few times. And it's always a blast. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, haven't haven't been around. I watched Game Grumps like wait. I was watching Game Grumps at like age twenty six, which is too <laughs> it's too old to be watching Game Grumps. You know, I'm sure there are lots of Game Grumps fans that are older, but you know, I, that's like. Uh, the audience skews pretty young. <laughs> so yeah, for sure. <laughs> I, also, I outgrew my taste for Let's Plays. Now I just want to read books about mills. <laughs> I'm, in my, I'm in my book phase as well. I, I like. Yeah. I'm, I've I've entered a phase in my life where I, I don't like screens very much. So I'm trying yeah. to like find hobbies that don't involve the internet, like for my for my own health. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, yeah, get it. Yeah, as you get older, like I mean, that's the best part about getting older is just you like boring stuff now. Like oh, absolutely, it's how good socks are as a gift now <laughs> yeah. i needed these these are great i've been running out i need to get really good at baking bread <laughs> so i'm gonna spend <laughs> yeah. the next six months doing that 
<laughs> uh, yeah, just really boring stuff becomes so fascinating, which is something that I, you know, is something that I was never used to because also the internet, you know, overclocks your brain, and you know, I, sure. I don't know if the ADHD was natural or anything because I feel like just being exposed to this rapid fire entertainment from age thirteen, and it only got more rapid fire. You know, that's what sort of warped everything. Oh, yeah. And like fucking uh, this is going to sound like a, like a boomer ranting for a second. But like mm-hmm. fucking like, like smartphones, they've, they now have this feature on them where it shows you how much screen time you have. And I guess mm-hmm. it's like a digital well-being, like it's sort of a health feature. But if, I don't know if you've ever looked at yours, but it's, it can be horrifying sometimes. Like I, I look at mine and it'll tell me, hey, you spent eight hours on your phone yesterday. Fucking, I fucking jump, it fucking jump scares me, <laughs> you know? Well, I mean, it, that scares me less because I've always been, you know, Captain Screens, you know, as a kid, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, if I had the opportunity to watch eight hours of The Simpsons in a row, I would do it. And very, I was very yeah. much cognizant I was spending eight hours watching The Simpsons. So I've always, but yeah, I realize now that's not good for you. <laughs> so you yeah. need to need to get out there you need Especially to, I mean, that's why I, yeah. if you've been doing it since you were like 18 like that's when i think the damage reveals itself when you realize you look back in your life in your mid-30s and like wait a minute my entire like my career my hobbies and a whole bunch of my social life have been like screens projecting information into my eyeballs like, that yeah. are, the screens get nicer over the years like they get higher resolution like mm-hmm. In 2005, the screens got a little bit wider. And that was cool. Yeah, like we went from like square nice, monitors. Yeah. That was nice. And like screens got smaller. Now they fit in your pocket. But like my whole life has been screens. Like looking back on it, yeah. and that's that, that's a weird thing to think about. Yeah, you. It's the it's the meat. It's literally the physical expression of media. The thing in the middle. The thing between you and reality. Oh yeah. Which is you know why I like having a dog because you have to go out. I mean. I mean, I look at my freaking cell phone. Look at my goddamn smartphone. Are you lost in the world like me? Are you lo- Have you seen that video, the Moby video? No, I haven't. It's um, it's 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 a very phones bad video. Yeah. Which is it's it's a comically phones bad uh, music video, which is sure. we've ragged on it before on this show. Uh, yeah, I'll but check it out. I, I I don't want to get you into trouble if you might happen to know the animator or something like that. I don't know, but um. I, I think like a, another question about like uh, this parasocial stuff I have is: Do you find yourself resisting it? Do you find yourself, you know, posting too much about your personal life and then finding disgust from it? Not really, honestly. I don't really post about my life much. Like I post about my politics and world events sometimes, and occasionally about my life. But like I very much don't like I'm, i don't have parasocial fans for that reason it's something that kind of i've avoided on purpose because i don't want parasocial fans and i don't like <laughs> i don't feel comfortable talking about my life outside of like certain parameters like how it impacts my work and like stuff like that mm-hmm. but uh, yeah but if you scroll through my twitter you won't find out much about me like, occasionally i'll make a joke about you know texas politics because like that's where i live in my current events or you know a movie i just saw but i don't really use my photo you know as, as my avatar yeah I don't post. Yeah, you but, use your guy. You use, use the, guy. the Rob, yeah. the Rob CNH guy. Yeah, yeah. So I like I'm kind of in a similar vote to you, where like every so often I'll post a picture of myself, and I get a mix of like people saying, "Hey, you look handsome," and then half of them are like, "Gross, delete this," you know. And well, then, you <laughs> are. I, I can confirm you are a good-looking man. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. And all the people saying "gross" are trying to be funny, and at least that's what I tell myself. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. But you know, it's like most. I think most people are pretty good-looking. You know, yeah. I, I try not to be. 
I, I, that's the other good thing about aging. As you get older, I find you get less judgmental because oh, you, yeah. you've been through the ringer. We're all turning in. We're all turning into a sack of potatoes slowly. So like, I, and I look at like, I look. At, I feel I take great joy in looking at Facebook and people who are like who who are more attractive than me in high school. Mm-hmm are now bald and i'm like ha fuck you yes. <laughs> that's, that's a great joy yes. of being in your 30s <laughs> yeah yeah that's amazing yeah i think i think yeah also being sort of sedentary and introverted and not expending a lot of energy meant you know <laughs> i like didn't li- i didn't yeah. live a particularly hard life you know so i'm all soft from my web comics yeah you know, i don't go outside much yeah um but as a result my skin is untouched and like alabaster yeah i have we no also, sun damage we also have lower risks of skin cancer people like you and me because we don't go outside you know we, yeah. we don't we don't get sunburned exactly we well I, I don't know i you see that's the i'll go to uh, I immediately i'll go to finally go on birthright go to israel and get skin cancer which if you don't know there are very high rates of skin cancer in israel which is really a, a funny thing uh don't want to read too much into that but when you say that you're indigenous to the region and the sun is literally trying to kill you i don't <laughs> i did not know the sun was hamas this, yeah, this is very the concerning. sun is hamas yeah, yeah there are tunnels in the sun we gotta find the, they're holding hostages and weapons in the sun that's why it's giving us cancer yeah fucking mickey mouse army fucking diarrhea doo-doo ass sorry i got I, I, I rant a lot in the shower about israel i call them the diarrhea ass doo-doo ass army i mean you're not wrong that's a big thing that happened recently they were all yeah, pooping their they, pants they were getting tons of diarrhea what's, what's going causing on? it what, why are they drinking so much milk you can't drink all that milk israeli <laughs> yeah they, <laughs> they were tasting middle eastern food for the first time getting yeah. <laughs> they were yeah that's it that's it <laughs> This is very yeah. You should make you should make more Palestine jokes. I mean, that's the other thing. I don't. I rarely make like super heavy Palestine, especially since October seven popped off. I haven't been making Palestine jokes in the comics themselves because that feels uh, that feels a little incongruous. I don't know. Have you met any Palestine jokes in a, a CNH trip? I not no. I don't think I've ever found a way to. Because it's like it's such a, a horrifying event, you know, not just yeah. an event, but just an ongoing, like a oppressive mm-hmm. regime that doesn't really fit the mold. Of our yeah, comics. you can't square that circle <laughs> in any in any sort of way. Yeah, it's hard to really fit that in. Plus, that's not the way I think as a creative. A creative, like I just make what pops into my head. You know, that makes yeah. me laugh, whether it's political or not. So it's I never try to be political in my comics. It yeah. just happens. No, you need to have. Yeah, you'll have. You gotta. You'll you'll have the Jewish CNH guy, yeah. which you'll be able to tell because he'll have a kippa and some some payas, and you'll have the <laughs> Palestinian guy. It'll be great. It'll work out fantastically. No one will get mad at yeah. you. Yeah, like I've made it's the occasional p- Jewish joke, and I run it past some of my Jewish friends and to get the thumbs up. Like, is this okay? Am I allowed to make this joke? I'm like, yeah, it's pretty. I think it's good. It's good taste. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. no, I, I give you a pass on all of your Jewish. I can universally. Tell you that's a dangerous Jewish. pass to Univer- give me. No, well, that's very dangerous. Yeah, not, maybe from the early two thousands. <laughs> you know, everyone is haunted by all the stuff they did. Yeah, it's okay. funny being like an older millennial. It's like everything. Oh, I did some bad jokes in the early 2000s. I hope people, I yeah, hope yeah. people will forgive me if they if that gets rediscovered. And it's something that you're gonna run in. I'm sure there's like stuff that I have. Because that's what's so frustrating about the internet. There's so much link death going on, but it's never to the stuff that you're embarrassed about. Like, all of yeah. that stuff is enshrined for eternity. But, and you also, know. like, it's so searchable these days that if someone wants to, like, cancel you or find some, a shitty comic you made, it's pretty easy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like 
I definitely have those comics, like from 2004 and 2005, that I look back on now. I'm like, ooh, shit. I probably probably crossed the line there. <laughs> but the cool <laughs> yeah. thing about web comics is you can go up and delete that off your website. But if someone tries hard enough, <laughs> they'll, they'll go and find it. Yeah. But, but honestly, like, who cares anymore? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, I think that's the other thing is the reason why I've stopped caring or reconciled it in my head is because I'm good now or it's like I'm politically better. And the like I leaving it up there is good because it shows you that you can change. You know, you can you can. I used to think this way. I used to think this was funny. This is sort of a good historical example of what people found funny at the time. Yeah, this but, is definitely uh, it's a comic made by like you know a, a, a 20, 20 year old white guy in two thousand five. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like this is important as a historical artifact, but I outgrew it. Yeah, and um, yeah. So I'm sure there's like old YouTube stuff that I have that if people found it, they'd be like, "Yeah, this isn't in good taste." But I'm like, you know what? You have to do with that stuff. You just got to own up to it and be like, "Yes." Yeah, I did it. Yeah, you got If you can't deny it or be weepy about it, because then it's like, eh. Now the flip side of that, and this is always funny to me. It's so funny is when someone digs up a video from somebody and they apologize and say that was a different time, and the video was from like twenty twenty one. It's like, <laughs> like, like, yeah, like, yeah, I said the n word, but that was a different phase of my life two years ago. <laughs> Please, I'm yeah, very sorry. <laughs> like, those people don't deserve forgiveness. You know, wait a second. You know, we were all look. Borat was popular at the time. You know, we were doing stuff at the Borat era. Yeah, you're, this was like the, whole the, this was. Family Your Borat guy. 2 era. <laughs> yeah, this is the Borat family guy era. Like, give me a break. For what? This was expected. We all thought this was, this was, it was going to last forever. This, neo- I mean, that was like, talk about like the post 9-11. I think the reason why there was this uh, incredible uh, glut of edgy humor or humor that where you were allowed to poke fun at uh, minorities or some ways because there was this upswell in patriotism and belief in the American project after 9-11 that we were the good guys and could do no wrong and Mm -hmm. that we were a democracy and thus we were essentially like post-racial and thus because we were post-racial like we can make these fucked up jokes now because you know we are so much better than the Islamic countries that we're now yeah and and you saw a lot of stuff on Newgrounds also I think that like didn't know where the line was between patriotism and like racism against Arabs in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, like people didn't know where that line was. And there's a lot of horrible shit that got made that just mm-hmm. that actually hurt people, you know? Um, yeah. But then that, that came, it's kind of analogous in a way to what's happening now or what people are trying to stop from happening, which is like this, just this conflation of like, yes, the October 7th attacks were terrible, but that does not mean being pro Palestine is means you're pro terrorism. And it does yeah. not mean that you can that criticizing Israel is anti-Semitic, you know. And yeah. I think like the more people can beat that into everyone's heads, like and change minds, like the, the minds that can be changed, <laughs> you know. Yeah, because some well, people we're seeing like don't, it with young people exactly, and some like, people don't even look that closely at it. And I think that's the people who need to hear about it the most and don't hear about it on the news. The people who are just sort of casually aware that there's something's happening in Israel and Gaza. Yeah. But the thing, the version of events that they think is happening comes from, you know, headlines and you know, passing like news gyrons yeah. that, yeah. that like, oh, Israel is stamping out a terrorist group in, in Gaza. Okay, cool. You know, move on with my day. Uh, and I think, I think those are the people that I think need to hear it the most. 
but maybe they're at a Twitter is a shit show. No, I, I think there's a lot of those people. I mean, I, I do think they tend to skew younger though, because yeah, sure. you know, if you're, if you're over 40, your image of Israel is like scrappy underdog, six days war, you know, yeah. can do no wrong. You know, they, they uh, nearly got decimated by the Holocaust and then they got fucking tough. You know, it's the Jews revenge, the Jews <laughs> revenge. And people yeah. are sort of into that because that's what America is about too. It's like, um, it really likes stuff in its cultural memory where it gets to use violence for righteousness, which mm. is why, you know, World War II is so popular in the uh, American cultural memory. Because remember the one time when our big violent imperialist project was good? <laughs> remember <laughs> that time? time? You know, yeah. remember the one time it worked out and we actually did fight something that was worse than us? Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, an act never to be repeated. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I could talk about Ukraine. That's the. I mean, I'm not gonna get into you. See, that's an issue that I never talked about because I'm like, yeah, I don't. You know, there are too many angles for this for me to weigh in on this effectively. You yeah, know? I'm not gonna like. I'm not gonna fuck this up by getting too deep into the Ukraine stuff. But, right. Uh, yeah, and also there's not a, like a massive media cover up of what's going on. There's other people who can talk about Ukraine. You know. Yeah. They're doing yeah. fine. More people dialed into, yeah. I'm, but that's the thing about it. it one, the lack of re, the lack of decent mainstream reporting, and two, the obviousness of the issue, like the the just slam dunk of like, oh, good. For, there, there's no real thing as good and evil, but this is as close as you're gonna get to, yeah. <laughs> to like. This is as clear cut of a good guys bad guys situation as you will ever get in history. So exactly. it's like you got to talk about it. Yeah, pretty much. Um. And yeah, and those terms are obviously reductive, good guys and bad guys. And that's the same terms that fascists use in order to, you know, justify. But in this case, it's like, yeah. Yeah, one side, eh. is, yeah, one side is dropping fucking bombs from orbit and the other side is living in tents. So like, it's, yeah. let's be real what do you here. Think? Yeah, just proportion, you know, sense of one number <laughs> is much bigger than the other number. Like yeah. much, much bigger than the other number. Like, don't you have a sense of proportion at all? Right. But, uh, <laughs> People don't. I mean, because I I think there's still some people out there who see the Iraq war as justified, yeah. even though that's less of a popular position than ever, because I think people see the idea of, so however many thousand people died on 9-11, it is okay to deliver 30, 100 times the mayhem to the people who are supposedly tangentially associated with it, yeah. even to civilians, because they represent part of this supposed islamic pact to destroy the west yeah yeah and that's a very much an american philosophy on whose lives matter and whose don't and it's yeah. kind of it's, it's just the reason that if america you know collapsed next week i'd be like yeah that's we probably had a good run that's probably time for for america yeah <laughs> all right we, you know Jimi hendrix <laughs> you know yeah. uh, coca-cola hot, hot, baseball over, was pretty good there. but yeah, I, I baseball think was all right overall mostly bad <laughs> yeah i don't think it was worth slavery i don't know if baseball yeah. was worth slavery uh i don't know if it was worth uh you know J the jakarta method <laughs> right exactly uh, um I, I don't know baseball is pretty good <laughs> I, mean, I don't know is it I don't, even there no big loss i think other countries are doing baseball better than us now yeah yeah japan they got they got some crazy oh hell they yeah got some crazy good stuff they're, going they're on, killing man. it over there i never really liked baseball either baseball's yeah. kind of boring so is football oh i like it because it's boring yeah. i like football because well because of that tension i've recently learned to enjoy sport i never enjoyed sports as a kid but yeah. uh, getting into dorktown documentaries made me realize <laughs> why they're cool 
I loved basketball as a kid. Still do because that yeah. game, that game's exciting. There's just no breaks every every few minutes. And it moves. Yeah, it moves. Yeah, high energy. But that's why I like baseball. Baseball and football to me are very good hangout sports because it's like you can just hang out while the pauses are happening. That's true. Like it's a good social. It. Yeah, it's a social yeah. sport. Like baseball, I have a problem with because I'll look away for two seconds and then the most exciting thing happens because I was too busy <laughs> going to buy a hot dog or yeah, getting a yeah, beer from the yeah. fridge. <laughs> that's the that's the tension of it as well. I mean, baseball, is, it's a very good radio sport. That's why baseball is an excellent sport for radio announcing. Because for sure. You get, and you're right. It is low energy and you don't have to focus too hard. It's, it's kind of the Twitch stream of sports <laughs> yes <laughs> it is it is the i don't know who's a popular i don't even know who twitch streamers are hassan piker yeah he's, he, the, he's, the he's not one. really baseball-esque though no i no. wouldn't call him he's not a baseball-esque twitch streamer don't think so that's the one thing i do know about him is he doesn't do baseball i haven't watched him yeah but he seems i don't know i don't I, that's a whole you know talk about like Something that I can never capitalize on it because I inherently don't understand. I'm so old. I'm I'm the elder <laughs> millennial, and which is stupid because there are plenty of people who are just as old or older than me who do Twitch. But I just feel that this is foreign to me. This Dude, is too far a parasocial I, path. I, I I've never tried it. I do know this because like I've gone to conventions. I've become friends with a lot of Twitch streamers who do it for yeah. a living. And man, those guys are the hardest working people like <laughs> in any industry. Like I thought yeah. web comics were hard and everyone's burning out all over the place, but like streamers, like they have to like work weekends and nights. They can't take breaks because their audience is like the streaming audience is so fickle that if you stop for a week and take a break, they'll be like, eh, what else is on? <laughs> Your right. audience is decimated overnight. Like, yeah. like th those guys work s so hard and it looks so and easy. They, yeah, I'm sure they get themselves into the trap as what? I'm just playing <laughs> video games. I'm sure it'll be fun. But yeah. no, you got to be on. Yeah. You got to be like, you got to be engaging. You yeah. have to be an entertainment radio and, host. And you know those guys. Takes are, energy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's the same kind of thing. And, and you know, those guys are getting texts from their parents saying, get a real job. What, what are you doing? <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's like, no, you don't understand. <laughs> you people ruin the economy. So you have to do this stuff now. Yeah. <laughs> this is how it works. You made it. You made America exclusive. Exclusively a media-based economy, so we have to do this shit now. Yeah, I have to prostitute my brain and my time. I can't, that's yeah. the only way to make money. Yeah, I have to give of myself <laughs> to the screen. I give my meat to the screen. I am screen man. I am screen man. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's becoming like that. I and you know, I sort of roll with it because. I think I can get more easily into that parasocial stuff because I do have a more inherent vanity. Mm -hmm. I like it when, when people come to me for advice and stuff. It's like, I I write a web I write a dick web comic and you want my advice. <laughs> you want because I have such amazing advice to offer, clearly from my dick web comics. <laughs> and yeah, I'm I'm flattered by I mean, but that's the fucked up thing is like if you make someone laugh and especially someone impressionable who's young, they trust you, mm -hmm. which is, and that's a fucked up responsibility. Yeah. Because um, did you see, um, did you see that movie? Uh, what was it called? It was, um, it was Dave Bautista, Jonathan Groff. They're in a cabin. It was the new M. Night Shyamalan movie. I did um, not see it, no. Uh, I, I forget the name. It's not, it's called the, the End of the World or the, the Cabin. Ah, fuck, what's it? Fuck. I really liked it, but there's this one line in it where Dave Bautista, he plays like this gym teacher. Um, and uh, the gag is there's the, the premise of the movie is basically they're the four horsemen of the apocalypse um, who have been reluctantly enlisted um, to they go to a gay couple 
and they say one of you has to kill another one in order for the world to not end. And uh, one of these guys is Dave Bautista, who's great, delivers a great performance. And his character is a physical education teacher. And there's one scene in the movie where he has a line, which I love, which is like, you have to be very careful when talking to children because they believe anything you say. So you have to tell them things you only know are true, which Mm. is like, and that stuck with me because now I have a bunch of like, 18 or 19 year old people who will believe anything I say, which is very weird because Mm. you shouldn't, but you do anyway. So now I have this, like, I don't know. Do you ever feel that pressure sometimes of just you've done, you've made someone laugh and now they trust you. So like, what do you do with that? Um, I mean, yes and no. I don't really have people coming to me for advice uh, very often that I unless it's like business advice on, you know, how to run a Kickstarter, Um, which that I feel like I can offer like help with. Like no one comes to me like, but like, but, uh, but I mean, I mean, that's not entirely true. I think when it comes to like this whole weird business that we're in, people do come to panels and they ask us like, what, you know, I'm I'm just fresh out of college. I want to start a web comic. What should I do? Um, And like, that's a case where like, I'm very careful with what I say because I don't know anything about starting a web comic these days. Yeah. Kid, you're gonna, kid, you're gonna step one, (laughs) make lots of money. Do make a website and sell ads. That's how I did it. It's not, yeah. Yeah, Step one, build a time machine. Uh, Step two, Kill Hitler. Step three, yeah. <laughs> go to 2004 and make a website and, and then yeah. make sure you get your Google ads and everything set up. <laughs> yeah. But like, honestly, yeah. like I, I, I don't know how to give people advice these days like in my industry outside of very specific advice. Uh, but, but that's just a consequence I mean, of how much everything it. changes every five years, or, you know. It's Patreon plus side hustle. That's the advice. It's like that's the yeah. only thing you can do if you want to make your way and hope that your webcomic broaches enough. I mean, that's the the real thing that you got to do if you want to make that Patreon money. As I realize, though, I think why Jeff Jock is so successful is that if you can get mm-hmm. a long running serial where people really care about your characters, mm-hmm. you know, that's that's the if you really want to make money. But that's the problem is you need like a 10 year head start like Jeff Jock got in order to like create this very elaborate world where these characters lives are intertwined but that's like i mean that's what i loved about for better or for worse you know i always thought uh, that's a comic that i tend to rep that Mm -hmm. i think is very underrated but i think is actually like a masterful use of the art form um uh, lynn johnston repping lynn john canadian legend lynn johnston but it's i people got very invested in it because you know Eventually, you draw a character enough and you put them in enough situations, people will feel like they're real. Also, um, which is what yeah. I'm seeing these people do um, with their Patreon and their long running serialized comics is like, here's a here's my character naked. You can get it. You can see it on Patreon. Like yeah. <laughs> there's a bit of that going on. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, look at Has Been Hotel, the horny yeah. economy. The you horny know, economy people is... will pay for horny. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Like uh, David Willis, he'll draw like thirst uh, images of his characters and put them on Patreon. And that's sure. fantastic. I can't get away with that because no one wants to. We don't. Number one, we don't have characters with names. Yeah. And number two, we already draw them naked regularly. Like yeah. <laughs> so, and you have. I mean, same for yours. It's, it's, oh, you, yeah. you can't really gatekeep uh, the, the horny when it comes to things like sign and happiness. Yeah. Well, my and my comics, which are pretty much explicitly. But I mean, that's the other thing, though, is sometimes you will get someone who comes up and are like straight up says, "Hey, I've jacked it to your guys," and you're like, <laughs> "I don't know." 
I don't know how to feel about this. I guess that's... I didn't set out to make porn for you, but I'm glad you got something out of it. Everyone's different. I've never had anyone come up and tell me that. I think we've cultivated different audiences. That's the nature of the the internet, and I love it. (laughs) I think think my comics are probably a little more amenable to the I've jacked it to your guys thing. Yeah, yeah. Because there's, yeah, explicit penetrative sex in them a lot of sometimes so what are you gonna do i mean that's the other thing that got weird is like i got big enough and i started getting like under 18 fans looking at my stuff and ah, oh yeah i can't that's, that's gotta be weird huh yeah well because i mean i see zach extra fabulous you know getting away with lots of stuff and he doesn't uh-huh. put like minors dni or anything like that so i figure i don't make them explicitly as pornography so I think it's fine. You know, I don't I don't think they're porn there because to me, it's too mechanical or gag based to be porn. I agree. You know? And I, what I love about your comics is they'll often have nothing to do with sex. They'll just have their dicks out anyway. And I, oh, that, yeah, that, yeah. That, that, that kills me. It's such a great aesthetic. Well, it's because there's a lot of blob guys characters because I <laughs> yeah. think like PBF set off the uh, early PBF had all the blob guys. You oh, know, yeah, I love and, yeah. yeah, I love that style. The schlubby bald guy. Like that's it's yeah, such a yeah. great like imprint, like archetype. You know, this guy could be me. He, yeah, I feel like. completely universal. Yeah, Martin yeah. at Hot Paper does you know types of yeah. the blob guys. Toothy BJ does blog. We're we're mm. in the blob guy union. And, uh, <laughs> but I figure, how do you differentiate your blob guys from the other blog guys? Penis. That's that's the distinctive <laughs> character design. You know that that allows people to. I see why this one is different from the other ones. <laughs> right. Uh, so I, that wasn't conscious, though. It was just because the jokes that I happened to be coming up with were gross body jokes. You know, the, the first one that I illustrated was a guy putting his hands up other guys' assholes and using them as boxing gloves. You know, <laughs> I love that stuff. Sort of went with that. Yeah, that's I love that. Yeah. Uh, body comedy. You know, not if there's body horror, there's body comedy. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. Yeah. When we, we whenever we do Comic Cons with Sunlight and Happiness, we always provide sketches. But the sketches are nothing like the, the strips that we put online. They're always yeah. just weird body shit and like single panel gags where we just turn our brains off with a sharpie and we just sketch something bizarre happening like a guy crawling yeah. into his own ass you know, oh yeah i love those those are much grosser usually than, yeah. than the strips which is what i like yeah and we've cultivated kind of a convention audience of people who expect that and like but we often forget that like if someone's getting their first sketch from us they might not be expecting like a <laughs> A guy pulling out his testicles and like putting them into his ears and like, you know, using them as, as a hula hoop. And like, and it's funny to draw, but like occasionally someone will be like, wait, what? <laughs> you know? See, I mean, that's to me, that's common. That, that's to funny. me, that is common because it's like, um, I, I also think there's an element of body positivity to it because as someone that was sort of like, uh, uh, you know, you're like me, you don't like seeing yourself. Uh, so the this idea of depicting this person that is completely unfettered in their physical element, you know, <laughs> is, is sort of uh, almost sublimating or freeing in a way, you know, that you can just be openly gross through these abstract characters. Yeah, and it's a new, and also the ways of finding unique jokes while you draw something gross, I think is something yes. that I, I really love. And also, you know, when you're drawing for somebody at a convention, um, it's also a bit of a performance. Like you're you're watching them and you're seeing what makes them laugh, and you're adding to the sketch and changing it Mm -hmm. it, it, it's very fun i gotta start doing cons those seem fun but i'm afraid of getting sick oh yeah you you will get sick but also now like a lot of people just wear masks it's become more normalized yeah mask up to a convention 
What's your, uh, do you have any, what's your best con memory, if I can ask? Oh, damn, there's so many. We've been doing cons for like close to 20 years. Um, I mean, the whole thing is a good memory. I just, the, the experience of just meeting fans in person, you know, ma- mm-hmm. meeting other cartoonists, making friends, you know, late night shenanigans in hotel rooms, yeah, pub crawls. Uh, it's, it's a good time. If, you, mm-hmm. if you're ever on the fence, I think I think your stuff would do great at conventions. You could you could try it out. I would but, do it, but I'm overwhelmed. I went to TCAF the no, other, and it's oh. just so much noise. So much. I mean, that is an unusually large comic convention. As yeah, well. yeah. I've never been to that one, but um, it's good. I mean, I highly recommend. But it's also just I can't like I'm very bad in loud open spaces like that, which is why yeah. I have to get a, I have to get over my self-diagnosed neurodivergence. And start going to cons. Yeah, or you should like find cons that'll invite you out. Like you know, there's little ones where you can just you know do maybe a, a panel or two, sign some autographs, and then disappear two yeah. hours later. <laughs> uh, but, you know, way. that wasn't the deal. I want to do cartoons so I can move as little as possible. That's the, <laughs> that was never part of the plan. Yeah, I'm doing less cons these days because I developed kind of a severe anxiety about crowds during COVID, which I mean a lot of people did. But mm-hmm. I went to San Diego like like 2022 and just had a nonstop panic attack. And I thought, wait, maybe I shouldn't be doing <laughs> yeah. it. <laughs> like I'm, yeah. I'm not the same person I was in 2019. <laughs> maybe disease, <I> <laughs> disease at every vector, every corner, a million Deadpools carrying <laughs> germs. <laughs> they are the real Deadpools. That's the Comic-Con experience. Some yeah. A thousand Deadpools carrying COVID. <laughs> Gina Carano coughed in my face. On purpose. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Um, but, yeah, th- that's like... Uh, I think that's the other because you don't see any parasocial aspect to those conventions either, do you? Because it's there it's is literally a social, or but uh, I mean, I, I don't know. How, I, I, there, I, these conventions are kind of a hotbed for awkwardness too, just because <laughs> like like you want to talk about like how weird it is to go from online to in person. It's also weird for fans, I think, some of them because it's here's this thing I love. I've read all the comics. I love this person. But I don't know like how to act around them because I don't have social like necessarily have yeah. social skills. And you occasionally get like the kind of person who who might uh, we call them call, we sometimes call them booth barnacles, where they'll, they'll just, <laughs> just kind of stand there and hang around and watch you like kind of ha- like with their mouth like uh, open like whoa like because yeah. they're enamored by seeing their their favorite car- like cartoonist drawing pictures. Yeah, I mean that's. I'm sure you guys get a lot more because you you've been gigantic for a while. But it's so weird to have even me at my relatively small amount. Why are you fast? I am a guy. I, yeah. I am. I am a do. I am, I have a very weird job yeah. that you should not respect. But, but. but yeah, but you do occasionally get these guys who maybe hang around a little bit too long, or like ask questions that are too personal, or try to make you know try to hang out with you like like you're their, like you're their friend, and you have to gently sort of have you know an exit strategy, you know, yeah. to to get them to walk away. But that's very yeah. rare. Most people are 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 just really chill at, at comic cons. You feel like a hot girl trying to let a guy down, like an yeah, overeager, yeah, some, nerdy guy down, you know? Yeah. But we've, now we've, what I know it's like to be a hot lady, <laughs> to be the belle of the bull. Right, right. Um, but yeah, yeah, I think that's, um, I mean, that's part of it too, is because if you do manage, that's, I, I said before, we are in this fucking media economy. If you want to, like, if you're a Gen Z person or a Gen Alpha person, like your options for making money independently are what you're going to start a fucking small business. 
You know, you're gonna work a you're gonna work a terrible job with no security that's worth less. Mm-hmm. You're gonna be an intern for years. You're gonna do gig economy stuff, or yeah. you're gonna be a media personality like all these YouTube people, where mm-hmm. all you need is this low. And obviously, the odds are slim, but you know, it's like at least you have money on your own terms. You're doing something that's at least somewhat enjoyable. You might like doing. And so, if you have media attention, which is something that everyone wants nowadays. You know, people will look up to you, which mm. is bad. You should. the The problem was pricing media, and Lord knows the reason why I, you know, what drove me to ambition of web comics because I wanted media attention. Me, pay attention to me. Yeah, That's a, I want this. Yeah. I mean, why do you think I was uploading animations to Newgrounds when I was fourteen years old? It was attention. <laughs> yeah. I didn't have friends, so I was like, "Ooh, internet people, they'll be my friends yeah. if I make a funny enough cartoon." And that and that mentality has never left my brain. Like I'm, I'm still chasing, yeah. you know, more followers. When I see a tweet blow up, I'm like, ah, today is, was yes. a good day. <laughs> yes. They will know how cool I am. <laughs> yeah. Which all, you shouldn't do that. Yeah. And it's all meaningless. And I'm like, you know, I'm still like, like everybody else. I'm struggling to like figure out what the next project is. Where's, where's my paycheck going to come from this year? You know, I'm still mm-hmm. figuring all those things out, but also I, I fucking love the attention, and I think that's yeah. true of anyone who creates anything on, on the internet. Like, there's there's a bit but, of, there's yeah. a bit of that. <laughs> I mean, even in the just figuring out. At first, I was afraid of. That's why I would always seek like pretty traditional employer employment relationships because I thought I was too anxious or nervous to do that. When where's the next paycheck coming from? Thing. Yeah, right, right. But just, I do find there is sort of a thrilling aspect to it, where yeah. it's just like the reason why I'm more productive than I've ever been before is because you know there are material consequences real material consequences to me doing a bad job. For sure, yeah. Whereas, like, office work, you can kind of, you know, you don't have to be 100% all the time. Mm -hmm. For sure. Um, You're trading stability for a bit of chaos, but also, you know, great rewards, potentially, and the ability to work for yourself, Uh, especially these days, because, like, I mean, since COVID and even before that, like doing the same thing for more than a year or two is impossible. You, you, you mm-hmm. trends change, algorithms shift. Like it's just constantly one thing to the next. Like the, yeah. the whole like where it's the next paycheck mentality is very much inherent to like everything that we do in web comics, and you know podcasts and streaming and YouTube. Yeah. Like literally all of it is like one thing to the next. Like, and that's true of people who have jobs too. Like the, the like the LA animation world is in absolute chaos people are just jumping mm-hmm. from one job to the next and holding on for dear life so it's it's definitely not like for me anyway it's not like jobs get a job versus do your own thing because like, both of them are chaotic <laughs> yeah. There's, oh, yeah there's no guarantees anywhere yeah so. i mean that's why you might as well fly by the seat of your pants you know doing your patreon because right you know, i mean this is i'm telling no this is bad don't start a webcomic because you also need to get incredibly lucky like i yes. did as well that's it's, the other thing there's so much survivorship yeah. bias that nobody talks about like yeah. for every, every youtube channel that succeeds 100 of them fail and like there's yeah it's it's fucked. <laughs> yeah, I can't give that advice of like start your own webcomic. You might you you should only start your own webcomic because you enjoy doing it. And exactly. You sort of like attention superficially. Like you aren't you. I'm making some money. I'm not making like living money off of this, but even the small amount of money I'm making, very rarefied shit. And it's because I 
I, I want to say it's skill, but no, it's because, I mean, it's not just skill. It's like right place, right time stuff. Exactly. So it's like, and it's very hard to accidentally teeter across that zeitgeist, you know? Oh, yeah. That's, I, I constantly tell people that we got lucky when they ask for advice because it's important yeah. to remember. Like working hard and being funny aren't enough. You know, you have to also get lucky and yeah. Yeah, you have to do it because you love it. And then if you end up making money off it, then go woohoo and, yeah. you know, and then pursue that. And yeah, be thankful and don't be like, oh, there's so many people that were better than me. They not a chance. I'm pathetic. I suck. You know, I'm worth, you know, you, people, <laughs> yeah. sometimes you get into that like uh, mentality as well. But no, I think the way to approach that and get rid of that is to, you know, use your platform to promote stuff that you believe in or use this thing that you've been given to try and tell the truth. To For sure. Degree. You also got to try like five or six things because one of them might whisk you away and become a career. You know, you never know. Yeah. Like people like us, you know, we, we have our, our toes in like seven different industries and like that, that's kind of important. You got to, you got to try making a book. You got to try, try out a podcast. You got to try, you know, get fucking doing a, a card game or something. You know? Yeah. Diversify, yeah. you know, uh, protect, uh, protect your neck. Yeah. Uh, which is, that's a Dave Chappelle reference who used to be good. He's not good anymore, got, but yeah. uh, he used to be good. <laughs> <laughs> I remember he brought on out Elon Musk on his show and got booed. That's the last time I saw him. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's, uh, I can't, I can't take it. It's so sad because I did consider him the greatest of all time at one point. And yeah. it's just been like, what are you doing, man? <laughs> this isn't. What, what, you know, what, I mean, you know, that's how times change. I mean, that's what I love about Cyanide and Happiness, because you were contemporary with Chappelle's show. Oh, absolutely. You guys, you never lost it (laughs) in the same way that he did. There there was never this, like, great shift towards entropy downwards, you know? It's still been this constant in my life, which is why I love it so very much. Yeah, I appreciate that. It is definitely, like, it's, we're still going every day, but, like, it's hard to like see where who's reading still because we don't have websites anymore. We're all yeah. it's all algorithms, and I don't even know if like half these motherfuckers clicking like are even real people anymore because of bots on Facebook and shit. Um, um, well, that's the other thing I wanted to ask you. We're getting to the end here, but one last thing I wanted to ask you was after two years of doing jokes, I found myself repeating a lot of stuff, and I found myself like getting like weird and like the process of coming up with a joke has become much weirder and more psychedelic because I have to think of stuff that I haven't done before Mm. or think of like a new spin on it which leads you to getting into like way more specific or like like strange puns or stuff like the like real like what's something that no one has thought of or that I have done but you know and I that happened to me after two years what's that like after 15 years you know yeah we're we're close to 20 to be honest like 2025 will be the 20 year anniversary of some <laughs> crow that's 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 crazy yeah it's, it blows my mind and makes me sad and also <laughs> very happy um yeah. but uh honestly a little like, cyanide and happiness it's all come full circle uh we um yeah i mean my, my personal writing style has changed every couple mm-hmm. of years uh, and i think if somebody were a turbo dork and read all my comics from start to finish they'd probably notice trends um and, and like sometimes my comic writing approach has been like sitting in a room and writing down gags like at other points in my life it's been from just carrying an idea book in my pocket and making sure to write down absolutely everything and like overwriting Mm -hmm. and then like as currently my writing style is making sure i surround myself with 
people, um, opportunities to make people laugh in real life, kind of, and then like gleaning jokes from that, you know, especially my, my collaborators, Chris and Dave, like finding, making sure I make time to like joke around and like have, you know, just funny, non, non-business, like casual conversations. And then, yeah. cause that's where like, for me, the jokes I trust the most are the ones that spontaneously pop into my head and I say it and like somebody laughs and I'm like, you know, that could, that could be a comic. That's a funny observation. Yeah. You know, then I, the trick though is writing that shit down because that's a skill in itself. You will not remember it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You will, uh, yeah. It's, it's going to be fresh. It's going to be like Kinsey in that one episode yeah. of Mad Men. If you've ever seen Mad Men. Yeah. Yeah. Writing things down has, is a skill that I have never developed in 20 years. Like I, so many comic ideas have vanished into the ether because I didn't, because yeah. I, I cannot for the life of me remember to write things down when they occur to me. Um, I, I do, have one in my head that I've been keeping because I've, I've been doing I haven't been doing the gag comics for a bit because I've, I've been doing this thing on I'm, I'm working on stuff but there's this one in my head where the guy's a cartoonist asshole and it's the Looney Tunes logo but I can't figure out a way to <laughs> I mean yeah I need something to frame around that or like maybe maybe Porky Pig's coming out of his asshole and saying that's all folks you know, mm-hmm. you know what that's my favorite idea when you have like you have like the punchline or like the germ of an idea and you need to build around it and like figure out how to contextualize it. I love building jokes that way when you get the one funny image and you need to figure out. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I do that all the time where it's a funny image or a funny joke or a play on words. Then you just go backwards. Yeah. (laughs) Write the first couple panels. But yeah, yeah, to answer your question. Uh, Yeah. I'm just constantly trying to reinvent the way I think about comics and the way I approach it. And honestly, like I love the challenge. It's never gotten old. uh, The challenge of making two new jokes every week. Because it oh, yeah. kind of forces you to rethink the way you do things. Yeah, I mean, I was, I mean, the other problem of the third age of web comics is like the rapid overproduction that is expected of you, mm-hmm. which is, you know, I did fourteen hundred comics in two years, and I, I did Damn. like a. That I shouldn't have done that. I burned out like really quickly, um, but I had a style that was also very. Um, amenable to quick comic generation because like for the first year it was just like okay what if a penis was x yeah you know and that would be the basic idea for sure but you do eventually like 600 what if penis was x strips and you're like okay maybe this idea is losing a little steam (laughs) you know so and but the problem now is you get people who are now going where are more penis jokes you know where i've missed the penis was x jokes that's what i was here for yeah, it's yeah. like i don't know i don't have them as much in me anymore they come they come around sometimes but you know <laughs> what approach to writing the nature of the piece. one recent approach to writing that i tried and failed and there's something to learn from this is i attempted to use chat gpt to help me write comics because i was because <laughs> like like to be honest i was using it quite productively for some parts of my work like like contract review yeah. And like scheduling things and stuff, and then I just I thought like, hey, what if I what if I could use this to write comics? And I was trying different iterations of like, give me a setup to a joke involving two characters like in a situation, mm-hmm. and it was fucking lame. It was like <laughs> just a whole lot of like vague nothingness, like. Yeah. Uh, um, and it didn't work. It doesn't I, get timing. The computer no. doesn't understand timing. Yeah, my hope was that it would give me like a, like a glimmer of an idea that would make me go, ah, that gives me an idea for a joke. But like, yeah, yeah it really doesn't work. It, it, I don't think I don't think we're at any risk of AI replacing us as writers. Um, yeah. 
Well, comics especially, I feel like almost smug in the fact that it seems like AI has the most trouble reproducing text and images together, mm-hmm. um, which is why I'm like, ha, I am the John Henry of webcomics. I will die with an inkbrush <laughs> in my hand. I will die. With yeah. a, you know, I can beat the machines. But, I will beat the machines. But then again, give it a few years and may- yeah. maybe AI will produce a, a sign and happiness comic that's like indistinguishable from from mine uh, you never yeah. know and then maybe Who also knows? And maybe like that maybe that's the fourth age <laughs> yeah the fourth age is it's gonna be ai slop yeah. ai cartoonists and ai readers laughing at them and like then we can all log off you know let the internet yeah, and then we can yeah it can be the simpsons where we all go outside and beethoven six starts playing oh, and man. you know we all start jumping rope and playing jacks again. hell yeah man that would be that's that's the dream i think like let's let the internet take care of itself let's let the yeah. singularity do its thing <laughs> yeah maybe it's good that all the vc guys shot themselves in the foot you know uh, <laughs> yeah yeah well they didn't shoot they all made money and ruined it for the rest of us but uh what if this was just a what if this was like a 30-year distraction and we're coming to the end of the nightmare now <laughs> yeah know? maybe the internet is going to implode in the next five years and then we can all yeah. you know go out you know into the post-apocalypse and find find new jobs as you know yeah. things like you know scavenger or or uh, uh mad max uh, driver <laughs> like yeah find well some, letters <laughs> are going to be more important now that the internet messaging is gone which is why the postman uh-huh. kevin costner's the postman will be oh, the most fuck, uh, i haven't thought about that in a long time <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and with that, and with mention of the postman, uh, thank you, Rob, for being on the show today. It's been a, a great pleasure talking to you. Oh, absolutely. I, I loved your comics for, for the, the nigh on 20 years that uh, they've been going on. And we hope 20 more years, 40 more years, 80 more years. Uh, cyanide don't, don't and happiness. Me. Don't threaten me. Heads and jaws. <laughs> you're, you're all heads and jaws. And cyanide and happiness is still going. Um, but I, I'm sure people already know where to find you. But in case they don't, uh, where, where can they find you? Our website, if you still do those is explosum.net you can also google sunlight and happiness you can find us on twitter instagram facebook and youtube if you want to check out our animations we're still going all right well it's it's once again fantastic talking to you and i hope you have a great rest of your day you too absolute pleasure being on here thank you all right bye everybody house of decline is brought to you by our ten dollar patreon subscriber tier big fan of noise Share, Connor Lane, Constantine Bristow, Daniel Stern, Dr. Spichemin Zero, Fiat Lux, Height Concept, Jody Shen, Kevin Ott, Kimberly Latrun, Liz Heckmayer, Miles Forrester, Piscadoro, and Tor. Thank you for your support, and we'll see you on the next show.